0: Hello everyone and welcome to Freestyle Life, a podcast about real people living real lives managing their diabetes. I'm Elizabeth Estes and I'm your host for today. In full disclosure, I myself am not living with diabetes, but I am engaged in supporting the community through my family and my friends. The only way those of us not managing diabetes are going to learn how to best help is by asking those who are. On this podcast, we will hear authentic stories, some designed to uplift, and most all designed to teach. We'll speak with experts, advocates, and those attempting to change the diabetes ecosystem for the better. This podcast is in partnership with Abbott because we're in this together and we're stronger together. Welcome to Freestyle Life. On today's episode of Freestyle Life, we catch up with a fascinating Texas based physician, endocrinologist, and lifestyle health expert, Dr. Arthi Thungadu. Her journey in this space started at a young age when she helped her grandfather manage his type 2 diabetes that experience shaped her career path and drove her passion for all of those living and managing diabetes and especially in her latest role of helping retired firefighters police and overnight shift workers of all kinds dr arthi Thungadu, welcome to the show thanks for joining us where do we find you today
1: i'm in san antonio texas
0: now your path you are you have quite a quite a cv here you're a triple board certified plant based endocrinologist Who specializes in lifestyle optimization? You have tons of certifications, uh, board certifications. How did you determine that your path was going to be in this space?
1: You know, it didn't exactly start with a perfect plan to get me here. I think we learn and pivot as we grow. And I, um, I was introduced to endocrinology young. My grandfather had diabetes, so I grew up pricking his finger and telling him to avoid cookies and. Um, you know, diabetes was a part of my world as long as I can remember. I'm Indian, and um, as you may or may not know, us uh, Southeast Asians have a really high prevalence of diabetes and heart disease. And um, I've had a lot of heart disease in my family as well. My dad had a massive MI when he was 37 and I was 3. Luckily, he survived and is very much still with us today. But, but cardiometabolic disease has really always played a part in my life and when I went to medical school I didn't really know what I wanted to do. My mom's an ophthalmologist so I always kind of thought I would go the surgical route but I just kept finding myself drawn to the internal medicine patients, the, the patients with chronic diseases and finally decided on endocrinology because that really was where my passion was and I went into endocrinology because I'm really interested in diabetes. I love all the other stuff too but Diabetes certainly has a special place in my heart.
0: You mentioned being of Indian descent and, and that there was a, a high prevalence uh, of diabetes. Obviously, genetic is that where that all comes from?
1: Yeah, so a lot of it is genetic, especially um, in us. You know, a lot of Indians have follow a vegetarian diet and still um, do have, have diabetes. However, lifestyle is actually the largest commodity component of diabetes and at least type two diabetes and even us. So yeah, there's a a genetic component, but also a major lifestyle component.
0: And then all of a sudden you, your grandfather had it when you were young. Uh, your, your dad had these issues you go and then your mom gets diagnosed.
1: She actually had gestational diabetes with me. So that was decades ago. And then Developed diabetes later in life, and she always struggled with her weight. She also has hypothyroidism, and perhaps without me knowing it, as um, in my face is what happened with my dad and my grandfather. That that influenced me as well. But yeah, she's amazing. She struggled with it for a long time, and after I went into this lifestyle focused approach to diabetes, she's really hopped on the wagon and improved her diabetes significantly to a point she wasn't able to achieve prior.
0: Talk a little bit about the type of patients that you treat and what you're helping them with uh, mostly.
1: Yeah, so I have I actually work in two different practices. So I have my own private practice called Complete Medicine here in San Antonio um, that is a membership-based practice where I focus a lot on lifestyle optimization, lifestyle coaching with nutrition, diet, exercise, sleep, um, optimizations, stress modification, all of these things that we know are super important to our health and the prevention of chronic metabolic diseases, but really aren't given the time in traditional um, traditional practice. The insurance model just doesn't afford physicians enough time to really get into it deep with patients on those things, um, and also many physicians aren't formally trained in those areas, so when I was in that traditional model, in a busy private practice, I saw that there was a huge need for physician education in the realm of nutrition and lifestyle and a huge need for, from our patients. So that's what inspired me to to take that route. And just personally, I've always been interested in that. And then in my other clinic, I work with a practice called Health by Design, and I specifically work with a population of retired police officers and firefighters who have a very high diabetes rate. I think the last time I checked it was 25 percent and I have been tasked with helping their most poorly controlled diabetic patients or their most difficult to manage diabetic patients which I was nervous about in the beginning but I had that I would be able to make an impact and now a little over a year in, it has just been astounding. I mean the improvements I've seen in these patients coming off in really transforming their lifestyles, despite an entire lifetime almost of lifestyle habits that led to diabetes and often coronary artery disease, kidney disease. It has been so impressive what these patients have been able to achieve.
0: I've never heard that before. The 25% in that line of work, I had never heard that stat before.
1: Yeah, I don't know if it's um, a combination of regions. Because here in San Antonio, there are certainly zip codes that have a 25% rate of diabetes. And as we know, diabetes, at least type 2 diabetes, affects our lower socioeconomic populations, unfortunately, more. And also, shift workers, people who work at night, have higher risk for metabolic diseases.
0: Are they primarily men that you're working with? Or does it affect the shift workers in those occupations equally?
1: So it is primarily men, but there are some women. And so I do see women there. And I, the metabolic effects of shift work affect both men and women. So a few things happen. When we are getting poor sleep, whether you know that means we're sleeping during the day when we should be sleeping at night, or um, we're not getting enough sleep, we have hormonal responses to that. So you have abnormalities in your cortisol, which is a stress hormone, and maybe it's not to a level that's pathologic detectable on labs, but cortisol affects your blood sugar and and your insulin resistance. So if you have abnormal circadian secretion of cortisol, then that can be one thing that is a hormonal effect that can compromise your metabolic health. Also, when we are not sleeping adequately or well, it inhibits our ability to make good decisions. So if I sleep four hours a night, you better believe it's going to be a lot harder for me to avoid that cupcake or unhealthy meal versus when I sleep eight hours a night. It's going to be a whole lot harder for me to get up in the morning and go for a run or exercise if I haven't slept enough than if I have. So the decision-making process also is affected by,
0: by, sleep. sleep. how have you helped them with the metabolic effects of this? Obviously their shifts aren't going to change. They may have, you know, their, their, their entire, their entire hormonal responses are going to be changed by that shift work. How have you worked with them and in what ways?
1: So I do do a very thorough history on every single one of my patients that I call the day in the life. So Tell me a day in your life. What time do you wake up? What time do you eat? What do you eat? When do you sleep? What do you do before you eat? To assess their sleep hygiene. Because what I tell them all and what I believe is that if our sleep hygiene is poor, it's very difficult to optimize the other things that are important like nutrition, exercise, um, stress management. We all are more stressed when we don't sleep We all are more irritable. Interestingly, my husband is a shift worker. So I have uh, seen this in my own home day in and day out. <laughs> my husband is a an night physician and he works full-time nights for three years. And so what we did was about almost a year into our son's life when my husband had gained 30 pounds, that's when I really started learning about nutrition and lifestyle. And so he was actually my patient zero. So he was still working nights, but... We optimized his diet. I put him on a, a whole food plant based diet, really improved the diet quality. Um, that's not the only good diet out there, but it is one that can help a lot of people and had him do intermittent fasting, got him a routine of exercise. So he was getting it in even when, you know, he was tired and we optimized his sleep while he was sleeping during the day. So blackout curtains, having a sleep Sleep routine, melatonin, blue blocking glasses—all the things to optimize your sleep hygiene—and he lost all the weight, and he actually feels better now than he ever has um, that he can remember. You know, now he's thankfully off full time nights, but still works nights once a month, and really has made metabolic progress.
0: So was this like a household change? And if it was, what did it did it make changes for you? Yeah. So when I was Transitioning out
1: of my uh, previous employed position, it was a really stressful time in our lives. We had a six-month-old baby, and, and we have a, another daughter who's two years older. And my husband was working his crazy nights, and I was working full time. And our heads were just spinning. And I was thirty-three at the time, and um, I had achy joints. I just felt fatigued all the time. I was having migraines. It was just a, a really stressful time, and um, we had an au pair who lived with us at that time. We're so fortunate for that. And she was plant-based. She had she a nutritionist from Brazil, and she had taught me about this, but I hadn't really thought about it too much until, uh, I was sort of falling apart. And so January of 2019, I told her, okay, I'm going to do this plant-based thing. So I changed my diet without any plans to completely, um, adhere to it forever, but immediately started feeling better myself. My joint pains disappeared within three days. My energy levels were better. And then anytime I would switch back to the way that I was eating before that, I would feel bad again. And so I was like, well, I'm a busy mom. I've got a job. I've got kids. I've got a husband with a crazy job. I don't have time to feel bad. So I'm just going to go plant-based. And then my husband actually was the one who said, okay, if you're doing this, I'm going to do it too. And so he hopped on board, did really well. And then my mom hopped on board. She did really well, lost 20 pounds in a couple of months, her A1C. I think the last time she told me what her A1C was, it was 5.5%. So not even in the pre-diabetes range without an increase in medications. And So with my little experiment of three very important people in my life, I thought, gosh, there's got to be something to this. There's got to be science here. So my curious doctor of mine started speaking out the science. And so that's when I got certified in um, nutrition and um, learned more about lifestyle medicine, got board certified in lifestyle medicine. And um, it really opened my eyes because in medical school and training, we're still focused on medications. Um, and this, there's this whole world of powerful lifestyle that can be far more powerful than any pharmaceutical drug we can give people.
0: As people are hearing this, right, maybe they've just been recently diagnosed or with diabetes or they're been living with diabetes for a while the thought of changing you know they're used to, let's say they live in in the midwest of the united states and they grew up on meat and potatoes the thought of that is overwhelming how do you get them to even try this what what's the motivation
1: yeah so it's, it's hard to make lifestyle changes and starting is the hardest part So what I do is I get to know the patient. Every person is on their own place in their journey or adventure, as I like to call it. And that's important to understand and assess because I'm not going to tell the same advice Mm isn't going to work for every single person. So getting to know the patient, understanding their goals, and understanding what their existing knowledge is, is my first step. After they... Understand a little bit more. I give them some resources, let them kind of marinate at home and ask them, is there a first step that you can think of that you would like to make that could help you move in the right direction? Because this is not about building Rome in one day, it's not all or nothing. It's a progress over perfection. And that's where I set the bar. And I tell them, I don't expect you to be vegan, I don't expect you to be vegetarian. I want you to eat more plants and less processed food. And, and that is much more palatable to them coming from a dogmatic standpoint about nutrition and lifestyle. So really trying to meet them where they are and individualized goal setting so that we can set a goal that is measurable, achievable, and that they are confident that they can achieve from the time of that visit to the next time we address it.
0: I read somewhere where you mentioned blood sugar is just a number, but what does it mean? How important are the CGMs of the world?
1: I think CGM is extremely useful. I did a really small study on my patients who I just put the Freestyle Libre on without changing medications, and they reduced their, their A1C by 2% in three months. That's huge, 2%. <laughs> with just CGM and also 75% of the patients who were on insulin came off of insulin completely.
0: Is this because they were paying more attention to what they were doing? They were more aware because the CGM gave them meaningful numbers. Is that what you attribute that to?
1: I I think so. I mean that real time feedback on how your behaviors are affecting your blood sugar without any pain. I mean, patients can literally, whenever they feel like it, swipe and see what their blood sugar is with, with the free cellulite. Um It's an incredibly useful tool and patients are all different too. So some patients are going to be affected more by certain foods than others. And so when they know exactly which foods spike their blood sugar and keep them high, then they can make an individualized and personalized decision on what foods they're going to choose and which foods they're going to lose. And this works for patients of all education levels. I mean, one of these patients in this that study, that my small little study that I did was a physician. And he had no idea how the foods were affecting his blood sugars. And now he's like, I can't live without this thing. It's keeping my A one C at nearly six. And it just gives me incredibly useful information and motivates people too. You know, when they exercise and they see their blood dropping after their exercise, they're like, Oh, I should, I should do that again. That really helped me.
0: You got all into this from the lifestyle optimization side of this from nutrition. And you're also, I think you're into yoga. Is that right? Yeah. I'm a a certified yoga instructor. Is this in a part of the approach with the patients? Do you use this in your practice at all? So I definitely
1: use mindfulness and I'm, I don't, physically do yoga in in my clinic. Well, I think that would be really cool. And maybe we'll set up a yoga studio some sometime down the road. But I, um, I've always been interested in yoga. And when I was transitioning my career, I thought, okay, this is the time, let me just dig deeper into it. And so I, I did my yoga teacher training. Um, I realized there is movement in yoga, of course. But the part that I felt was most useful was the mindfulness, the introspection, um, stress management. because one, diabetes and just overall disease in general is extremely stressful on patients. And, and diabetes especially because there's so much guilt involved, oh, I ate that my blood sugar is gonna be high. Oh my gosh, what's my blood sugar gonna be today? People feel out of control, frustrated, anxious. And so if we can channel that, and diffuse some of that stress. Um, we can get them to focus on the more important things, like yeah. you know, lifestyle optimization. And if they can manage their stress through mindfulness, meditation, those things, they can also improve their sleep. So certainly, mindfulness. Now we're lucky because we have all these apps. We have Calm. We have Headspace. I use one called Simple Habit to to help us engage with mindfulness.
0: You talked about the fact that, that in, in medical school, they didn't really pay a lot of attention to this uh, the, this this aspect of it. And it's interesting mm-hmm. to me, and it's an interesting dialogue. Do you think that there's a shift coming with that? You know, I do. I,
1: I don't know. Part of me wonders if it's just because I'm so much in this space now that, um, that I feel that way. But I do feel like people are more aware of nutrition lifestyle and mindfulness, yoga, I mean, it's just everywhere now. And now there's data coming out. I mean, there's anti aging effects of meditation, that's a, a popularly known study. And there's literally, I feel like, articles coming out every day on nutrition that doctors are actually reading. So I do think there's a shift. I actually um, also give talks to pre medical students, medical students, and we all are. are super interested. I mean, I get tons of questions at the the end of these lectures.
0: Yeah, I was going to ask that if you thought it was because we have a new generation of, of young doctors coming up, or if you felt that the evidence-based medicine pieces of this are finally meeting the physicians where they are. I mean, if it, it might be, be the perfect storm, you have, a, you have a willing and open-minded group of younger physicians coming up and you have the evidence based from what those of you who have been trailblazers in this space have already created. I was wondering if, if you felt like it was kind of a combination of, of both of those things.
1: Yeah, I do. I I think it is a combo, and also just media access. I mean, when I was in medical school, we didn't have Instagram and we had Facebook, but it isn't what it is today. And we didn't have all these social media outlets where you know we as physicians, like I'm on Instagram as an education tool, but I have tons of students and trainees reaching out to me, and they can do that now. Uh, whereas when when I was up in training, I I didn't have that access and. I think social media helps and also the fact that more evidence is coming up and we have an open audience to listen all comes together in, in, in a great way to help this move forward.
0: For someone who's hearing this and and they want, they desperately either, maybe they are themselves living with with diabetes or they are a caregiver and they desperately want to help change the trajectory of what's happening in their lives, be it nutrition or exercise. What's the one piece of advice you would give them to get out of the starting block?
1: To make a plan and write it down and make it something that is achievable and measurable. And, you know, really write it out like Okay, let's just say, for example, somebody is interested in eating more plant-based foods. Okay, so that's your goal. Now, how do we get there? Well, we eat one plant-based meal a day, five days a week. Who's our support system? When are we going to do it? When are we going to plan for it? What are the barriers to achieving that goal? How are we going to overcome that barrier? And how confident do we feel that we can do it? If our confidence level is like at a zero, then we need to readjust our goal to a confidence something like seven, eight, nine, ten 10 out of 10 and then work on that goal. That's a much easier thing to bite off than just saying, okay, I'm going to switch to a plant-based diet tomorrow. Like that's really hard because you don't know how you're going to do that and it becomes overwhelming. And then when we fail, we feel like we're a failure and we don't want to move on to the next thing. So when we create a plan that's finite and achievable, we can succeed at that and then build upon those successes.
0: Do you think when you say plant-based, everybody has the same understanding of what that means? Because I do think some people may think, oh, it's vegan. When you say plant-based, what does that mean exactly? Exactly.
1: So when I say plant-based, I mean a diet that is rich in whole grains, fruits, veggies, and legumes, so lentils and beans, and a diet that avoids things like processed foods, avoids things like added sugars, added fats, like butter where you don't need it, or, you know, a half cup of olive oil instead of a tablespoon, you know, avoiding excessive added fat, and Limiting saturated fat intake, so things like meat, dairy, and eggs, because we know saturated fat is a major culprit of, of uh, insulin resistance, and also because fat in general is much more calorie-dense than your carbohydrates and proteins. So we don't want people to be eating diets that are excessive in calories. And so for me this doesn't mean a vegan diet this doesn't mean a vegetarian diet this doesn't mean a high carb diet it doesn't mean a low carb diet it doesn't mean a keto diet it doesn't mean any of those things it just means maximizing on the foods that are high in nutritional value and are preventative of chronic diseases and minimizing on the ones that don't I am personally I I don't eat any animal products But that doesn't mean that somebody else can't have great success eating animal products sometimes. You know, I live in Texas. Some of my patients literally are in the meat industry or are cattle ranchers or things like that. And some of these people have adopted a very plant-forward diet. Of course, they still eat those things. It's their livelihood sometimes. Or, you know, it's just so culturally ingrained for them that they couldn't give it up completely. And that's okay. And they make progress. So, um, really meeting people where they are, understanding their cultural and personal belief system, and figuring out a way to get that better, not necessarily where I am or where my mom is. Or- my friend is, you know, it's not about anybody else but the patient.
0: So if you were going to invite five of your patients and me, because we're all going to come to your house for dinner, what would you make us that's plant-based that's your favorite?
1: Ooh, gosh. So what I would make you is a whole grain pasta with this bell pepper harissa sauce. It's so good. Oh my gosh. Now I want that for dinner. (laughs) (laughs) And then I would do a, a tofu caprese that has been marinated overnight in basil, parsley, and a couple of other like salt and pepper, olive oil, and yeah, my husband would definitely put out a bread because he likes bread. But for our diabetic patients, we might um, we might avoid all of those carbs, and we'd probably put put in a, a nice salad and a veggie side, like maybe Brussels sprouts. Or
0: This was a really fun conversation, Uh, Dr. Arthi Thungadu. We just really appreciate you being a part of this for being such an advocate for those who are living with diabetes and their caregivers and their families and their friends. And I have no doubts that we'll be hearing from you a lot.
1: Well, thank you so much for having me. It was truly an honor to be here. And Abbott has just um, really revolutionized diabetes for me and my patients. And I'm so excited for what the future holds.
0: So that's a wrap on this edition of Freestyle Life, a podcast brought to you in partnership with Abbott. We want to thank Dr. Thungadoo for joining us and all of you as well. If you have ideas for this podcast, questions that you'd love answers to, or great suggestions, we'd love to hear from you. Please drop us an email at ideas at freestylelifepodcast.com. We'll talk with you next time. Until then, here's hoping we're all living our best lives. The views, positions, and opinions expressed in this podcast are solely those of the individuals involved and do not necessarily reflect the views of Abbott Laboratories. The views, positions, and opinions represented, as well as any reference to a specific product or entity, do not constitute an endorsement or recommendation by Abbott.